So how about a female perspective on dating? Better yet, how about a perspective from a female therapist who lives in San Francisco, arguably the most prolific city for dating in the world? Today, we talk with Natalie Weisel, who discusses the importance of becoming a student of dating in order to navigate the chaos of finding love in a modern age. To this end, Natalie will impart the following dating strategies. How do we know when to listen to our mind versus when to listen to our heart? Following up with potential leads instead of being too picky or choosy. Finding common interests. Asking questions that you actually want to know the answers to. The 50% rule. Boundary setting with a potential date who seems flaky, disinterested, or simply a poor fit. Lastly, what is it like being a therapist on a date? Natalie and I both relate our experiences of being single mental health professionals on the prowl. My name is Benjamin Russick, licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is my podcast, Look, Just Tell Me What to Do. I think one of the definitions of success in dating is to stay single. (laughs) Okay. All right. That's paradoxical. Explain yourself, young lady. Let's say somebody in their 30s who is really passionate about his career, has a lot of things he's passionate about in life, is fit and healthy and prioritizes his health, is working on his personal growth and communication skills and emotional intelligence. He's had several relationships in his life that did not work out for really great reasons. So you're so positive. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, if if you really break it down to get to know about someone, there can be some really good reasons to not be in a relationship on Facebook, Instagram. We see those really happy pictures of people or maybe even on the street. We see people holding hands or at a restaurant flirting and it looks so good. That is one rendition of what's really going on. So maybe everything's really good. A lot of the time, it looks very different on the outside than what's actually happening inside the relationship. There's a statistic out there that the couples that talk the most about how awesome the relationship is on Facebook and show like, look at this, you know, Chinook salmon that we caught together and or, or whatever the heck they're doing. And they're actually the ones that are in the most trouble. And I do see the happy couple walking down the street and they look great together, but they look great for that moment. Especially in San Francisco, everyone is about optics. I feel like they're always trying to put on this show and like, I don't want to be single in San Francisco and look at me at this restaurant with my fabulous girlfriend or boyfriend and mm-hmm. my, our dog. And here we are in Dolores Park the now. The Labradoodle. The, Labra- the, the fucking Labradoodles. They, they proliferate because if you don't have a Labradoodle, really, you don't have a relationship. Of course not. Right? And um, here we are eating ice cream and here we are kissing on the edge of a Cliff. I was working with this couple a few years ago who told me we look like this amazing couple in the community and we get that feedback from our community all the time. Like, wow, you're such a great couple. You're good looking, successful. I'm jealous. What I saw was this couple is crumbling and I knew the reasons why. And they told me, you know, we worked on those things. Yeah. Knowing that doesn't mean that we don't feel bad. I'm currently independent. I actually prefer the word independent rather than than single. single. Ooh, that's catchy. Yeah, I think it's a lot less stigmatizing. You know, I I have my moments of feeling down or feeling low self-esteem because I'm a human and and everyone feels that way. But I like to try to, as much as I can, empower myself. If I really break it down, there are reasons why I've decided to not marry or to kind of continue a long-term relationship. Why do you suppose being single is so stigmatized? What, What is happening? I think there's a lot of social currency in being in a relationship. If you see someone in a couple, it's evidence that this person has connected with someone and maybe this person is more safe 
this person has proven the ability to connect with someone in a long-term way, so they mm -hmm. must have value. Mm -hmm. There's also been structures in society that, that are set up, so it's desirable to right. be in a family unit. We want to be a part of the social norm. But I mean, I heard a woman once, she was lamenting that she had just broken up with her boyfriend, and she said, I just got to find someone because there's nothing worse than being single in San Francisco. I just don't get it. Is it the social currency thing, or is there an image thing? Does it, is it like, if I'm single, I'm not lovable? If I'm single, I'm... I'm not a person worth knowing. I think there's also something about milestones, a feeling of, did I meet my age group's milestone? <laughs> Say more about that. That's fascinating. Growing up through certain developmental milestones that if we achieve certain things by certain ages, then we're deemed normal. I think the same thing in our adult development, that there are certain normative trends with the times that mm -hmm. by a certain age, there's an expectation by society that kind of also, I think, keeps us in check mm -hmm. and also is a much less creative way of living where if we don't meet our expected milestone, we feel bad about ourselves, especially those of us that are very achievement oriented. What can you say about, I guess, the dating process for women in the city versus the dating process for men? The dating process for men is kind of like, you know, it's a numbers game. We're trying to get out with as many women as possible. A lot of men are just trying to get laid. A lot of men are feeling that kind of uphill climb because there's just too many men to compete with. They feel like they're easily thrown out. For for women, I feel like it's there's such a deluge of requests that they have to pick uh, amongst a lot of men to find, you know, which one of these is an asshole and which one is a nice guy. And that can be overwhelming. So like the process is different. I think it's less beneficial to focus on how different it is for men and women to date versus really cracking down on each person to really understand what is happening in my dating. For example, I went to a little getaway two years ago with a group of friends. A lot of us were single at the time and it was all women. A lot of us were kind of feeling a little bit angry oh, well, he didn't get back to me soon enough. He must not be that interested. Or, oh, he asked me out, but he didn't set down a place. Kind of like nitpicking a little bit and kind of feeling dissatisfied, almost like we're getting the short end of the stick. And I have one of my closest girlfriends. She is the most prolific dater I've ever met. She has an amazing amount of success in that way, numbers and in terms of quality of connection. So she was saying, wait a minute, hold on. You guys, or you ladies, are being way too hard on these guys. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. You're jumping to conclusions before you even really know this person. My friend, what she does is, of course, if there's like a big red flag, and you know, or if she's not attracted or if she's not interested, she won't pursue it. But she gives a lot more room to be empathetic and understanding mm -hmm. of probably these guys are trying their best and we don't really know where they're coming from, especially if you haven't met them yet, if it's an online situation. She actually encouraged me with somebody that I was talking to online to kind of lock it down. Mm -hmm. She's like, look, there's all these people you haven't gotten back to. You're kind of judging too fast. Actually, from that weekend, she looked at my online profile. She encouraged me to get back to people, even if I wasn't sure. And I was in a relationship two weeks later oh, wow. using her approach. Which was? Which was minimize the judgment to get back to people, to kind of not take steps ahead, to kind of just try your best to understand that these guys are probably trying their best. doesn't have to be perfect. Let's just try to meet up and let's kind of take it from there. So I think there's something where both men and women can easily get really frustrated at the process. And, and I'm not saying that I'm excluded from that, that I've been really fr fr frustrated. Should we make a word, Ben? Frustrated? I like that because it implies frostiness. <laughs>
frostiness. <laughs> frustrated. Maybe we can come up with a definition. Frustrated. I'm frustrated. Yes. Very frustrated. So I think men and women both can get frustrated actually in very similar ways. I also see this in working with young adults, professionals in San Francisco about dating where it's similar stuff. Uh-huh. Of maybe we're coming from a place of being burned from a last person who ghosted mm-hmm. or didn't treat us nicely mm-hmm. or was late or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then that hardens us. And then we kind of treat the next person not as nicely. Or maybe we send a really long, thoughtful message and we don't get a response. Yeah, those are the worst. Yeah, that hurts. And then we learn, maybe I'm not going to be so thoughtful next time. Yeah. Relate to that, Ben? One of the things that I tell myself when I'm messaging somebody on a dating app, you don't know how many people she may be speaking to. She may be talking to 10 different human beings at this time, or she maybe her mother is sick, uh, or maybe she only checks this app once a week, or maybe who knows. And a lot of times we assume that our experience is everyone else's experience. Not that we name it as such, but we often can't imagine another way of being than our own. We just automatically project our reality, our concerns our paranoias onto everyone else and say oh you must be doing that because that's what you would do in that situation if someone texted you and you didn't text back them back it was because you didn't like them well maybe that's not what their reality is you never know where someone's coming from i think that really is universal at least in the san francisco bay area dating climate right most people men and women are dating multiple people when they're single because of dating apps and we have those opportunities to meet lots of people right There's, of course, pluses and minuses, but I think there's a couple things here that a lot of people don't think about. I think this feeling out there, I don't know if this is your experience at all, Ben, where it's almost like, oh, there's so many people out there. Like, how am I going to click with someone or is someone going to find me special? And I think that there's something where if you take a little bit of time to both reflect on who am I as a person and what do I have to offer and bring to the table. There are certain things that each of us can really bring to a date. And hey, this is what I have to offer. And these are my strengths as a person in a relationship. This is what I know about myself. And also, what's the point here? Like, what kind of person would I like to be with? What are some things I'm really looking for in someone? And I think the combination of knowing those two things can also make it a little bit more helpful when I'm texting people on apps or Going on a first date with someone. You're talking about strategies for dating, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, say more about that. Let's discuss. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Natalia laugh I've come to know. Say that you find someone that's attractive physically. It would be great to look through the profile to see, is this person providing content that might be interesting to kind of go deeper? And so maybe if it's like on Hinge or Coffee Meets Bagel, someone says something, you want to look through and find the thing that piques your interest the most. That's a great way to start a message by asking a deeper question about something in the profile. So maybe maybe the profile says something like, I'm a community-oriented person, and that might pique your interest. That's <laughs> the most boring thing ever. Really? Heard. Oh, that would pique my interest. Oh, my God. Well, then what would, what would be something that would pique your interest? I don't know. I, I, I have dreams about slaying dragons. I have no idea. I mean... Slaying dragons. So maybe her one her profile says, I'm fascinated by dragon slaying. <laughs> okay, great. So you might ask, hey, Veronica, what is it about dragon slaying that gets you fired up? <laughs> okay. So you zero in on the thing that you find most fascinating in their profile and you ask a question about it. Also to make it look like you've actually read through their profile and are actually interested. Well, Ben, aren't you actually interested? In slaying dragons? 
Yes, and slaying dragons. Very much so. <laughs> you don't think so? Yeah, no, I would I would want to know what was up with that if she wrote that in her profile. When you have a client, I can imagine, and especially if it's a first session or two, this is this whole unique human being that has this whole world of mystery. And it's our job to be like, wow, this is such a deep, interesting person. And sometimes as therapists, when we go into the dating realm, wow, I'm this whole person that has all these fears, passions, interests, life experience, trauma, right. like hilarious quirks we forget that there's a whole human no matter how boring this person might seem on the outside mm -hmm. that's fascinating right so in other words how do you get access to their world right all right what else do you do i try my best to never ask a question that i'm not wanting to know the answer of right so you would never ask something frivolous so every question really is something you're curious about I want to have a good time. I think there can be this really sweet thing where I try to take care of myself so I have the emotional energy in stores to show up on a date as energetic and present as I possibly can. Because guess what? I get to meet this other human being. Probably this human being is not going to be my boyfriend or a sexual partner. I've actually made some good friends recently from going on some dates. I've never retained anybody from dating. I, I f do find that I learn a lot on dates about people. Like if I'm on a date, especially that's not going well, I will find out what, what they mo know the most about and yeah. just like eat it up because it's, I might as well because here we are, right? Can I tell a story uh, yes. about you and me out in public? Yes, please. So we were sitting at Blue Barn. Yeah. And you look over and you go, I'm going to go ask that guy out. And I'm like, what's what do you like about him? Like, he's cute. He's kind of relaxed. I was like, yeah, he's like one of those dudes that's perpetually comfortable in his skin and all the women love him. So I was slightly like kind of like, shit, why can't I be like that dude? But then I was like, okay, go for it. But I was taken aback because I'd never seen a woman take that kind of initiative publicly before. I mean, I'm sure they do it, but I've never heard one announce, here I go. I'm going to go hit on this guy and go do that. Mm -hmm. And I saw you walk, you walked up the thing, you walked up, you walked down, you walked back and you sat down and I'm like, what happened? And you said, he's married. <laughs> and uh, so it, you were talking about how you're kind of a shark. Like you go out and you really, you have a little spear and a net and you go hunting for men. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. As a therapist maybe, or as a human, I don't know how you want to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the therapist and human me are kind of like tied together. Mm-hmm. But yes, there also are very distinct parts. Like the therapist me is much more exclusively focused on my client and how to show up for them to be therapeutic and helpful. Whereas the Mimi is looking for a little fun, is a little fiery, is yeah. a little flirtatious. So tell me about that person, the fiery shark hunter, sharky, shark. sharky Natalia. How does she, <laughs> what's her deal? I found for me, I'm pretty specific about who I'm attracted to. I don't believe that if I sit back and relax that the people that I want to come in my life are going to come into my life as much as frequently as I would like or at all. I want to kind of go for it as much as I can. I'm not saying it's easy, by the way, and that I'm not super nervous. And sometimes I get out of the habit. I'm a little bit out of the habit of doing that right now, to okay. be honest. How do you do it? Tell me about one of your sharky adventures. Let's say that I'm out somewhere, doesn't matter where. Someone catches my eye, they look intriguing to me. It's probably a combination of how they look physically, how they're carrying themselves, just their expression, something is interesting. This can also be for girlfriends too. If I'm out and about in like, let's say a workout class, mm -hmm. someone piques my interest. I'm on the market for people. I think it's really great to connect and it's really fun. There's endless possibilities when you connect. What do you do? I go up to that person and find anything to say to them. Like what? 
Um, what's in your grocery bag? <laughs> wow. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've used that one. It's my favorite. Wow, that's never happened to me in my life. What's in, oh, some, no. some, you know, young, attractive woman walking up to me and saying, hey, what's in your grocery bag? Anyway, like, what else do you say? What What are you drinking? Or... What, what I find the, to be the most natural thing is to make some sort of comment or question about something in the environment. So right. it's very natural. Like, look at that bird over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The bird. <laughs> the bird. Look at that bird over there. Yeah. Or if it's like if, if you're at a class, like, oh, my mm. gosh, I'm, I think we're going to die today. It's going to be so hard. There's like a certain, I want to say class of women, but I don't know how to describe them. It's like the typical marina looking woman, you know, with like they're super well put together. This is in the marina district of San Francisco, like I'll weigh like 90 pounds and perfect physical shape and they have all the nicest clothes and they have the nicest dogs. And, you know, I'm sure it's all a lie, but there it is. I've never really spoken to any of them. And, and when I have, I get completely just like, like get away from me. And so I left it alone, but I was looking at a car accident once. It was pretty brutal. Like, and I'm being judgmental when I say one of those women, because who knows where the she's from you know and i just got the coldest response as i was just sort of asking about what happened and it was just this complete it was like such a easy thing to talk about of course albeit it was a car accident which is pretty sombering sobering but it was something in the natural environment and i just got so shut down by this person and i wasn't hitting on her i was just i guess i could have been but i don't think i was i don't know there was a car accident and there was this person and i was like asking about it and she was just like like yeah do you think that you overwhelmingly get positive responses or negative responses or what kind of responses do you get from that kind of approach? Well, first of all, I'm sorry that she responded that way. I, I was okay. <laughs> yeah, I know you're totally, you're obviously totally okay, but there's certain cultures like uh -huh. certain neighborhoods in certain cities yeah. that are less friendly. The marina can be sometimes a, a bit of a harsh place for warm, cozy, down-to-earth social interactions. Where are the warm and cozy social interactions? Where do these things happen so I can go there and find them and find these humans? Maybe go a little bit south of the marina to start and then take it from there. Pack heights. Well, maybe a little more south. <laughs> a little south. A little more south. A little south of mission. The mission. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I get a mixed response. Sometimes people, it's almost like they're shocked that I'm talking to them. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, someone's being friendly and normal. <laughs> Whoa. What's going on that people aren't friendly and normal? Let's talk about that for a minute. Why can't people be more friendly and normal? Because I try to be friendly and normal to people, men and women alike, and man, it doesn't go so good. Is it the city? Is it me? Is it, what is it? What's happening? How does it usually go? Badly. Like just a couple words and crunch, you know, just people kind of go, oh yeah, they kind of walk off. It's so difficult to actually connect with someone in a public place in, in, in my experience. Well, just like how I was saying earlier, basically every individual can have a very specific reason why why certain things are happening and patterns are repeating. So I'd also be curious about how are you asking, what is your facial expression like yeah. when you're asking, are, how comfortable do you feel in yourself? What are the types of people that you're approaching and in what scenario? We could do a lot, if I were to follow you around and you were to talk to people, we could yeah. probably get a lot more information. To answer your question, I think people have a lot less practice in interacting mm -hmm. because of technology. I think. This is a, a lot less of a community-oriented city where people are a lot more kind of to themselves and kind of going into their own apartments. They're getting less social practice. It's just less culturally normal to be warm, friendly, down to earth. A lot of people are really stressed and busy. Maybe it was like a really busy week for you and you have, you have so much to do and you're overwhelmed socially and professionally. And it's almost like the experience of like your heart feels like more closed yeah. to interacting. Yeah. I know that I've I've had that. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's really visceral. That's true, isn't it? There is a closing that happens. 
people are overwhelmed, I think, with the buzz of the city and the work that they have to do. They're exhausted. That's probably why they drink so much. For those of you listening at home, uh, you haven't seen Natalia, but she has this, she's very warm and she could, she could charm the stripes off a skunk. I mean, she's so nice. <laughs> she's so nice. Whenever she walks in the room, she's just all smiles and she just really engages and she makes you feel like you're the most important person who's ever walked the face of the earth and you always walk away feeling good. And I know why she has a full practice because her patients invariably walk out of her office feeling a thousand times better than they walked in. I can tell you that right now. Do your patients often talk about dating and the difficulties of dating? And how do you work with them around it generally? Well, I, first of all, love it. I love talking about it. So one of them is is like a 50-50 strategy. It can be really helpful to do a 50-50 approach if it's online dating um, in terms of messaging. Both people matching the style versus, oh, I'm really interested. I'm going to take over and do all the texting and I'm going to let him or her do everything for me. So it's kind of like giving and taking, allowing the opportunity to see if I've come up to my 50%, will someone else come up to the 50% or... Maybe they're just, they just got out of a 10 year relationship and then I'm like the first person they've ever talked to and yeah. I'm really more of an experiment to them. So to try to assess, is this person emotionally available? Are we in a similar place? Maybe you're just looking for a hookup. Maybe then I'm gonna look for a different kind of 50%. Oh, does he wanna or she wanna meet up with me tonight? Say that I'm looking for a deeper, potentially long-term relationship. I want it to be reciprocal. Sometimes it can be helpful if a woman, or it's going to be for a man too, but if a woman has the tendency to kind of drive the show and kind of do more, mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't leave the man the opportunity to pursue. And this can be the same thing for men too, where right. some men are, like you said, maybe maybe you wrote a novel or the novel, or like a long message to somebody that a novel. doesn't. You wrote a novel. novel. Someone wrote a novel to someone that you haven't even said hi to yet. And it's kind of like, well, that person is getting a thoughtful message i don't even know if she deserves to yeah get that or if he deserves to get that message yeah. okay so 50 50 that's cool anything else have you ever seen the awkward yeti cartoon no so it's basically a cartoon of this cute little brain it's uh-huh. just like a brain with legs and then there's like a little heart with legs and it's basically the brain and the heart have these discussions the brain has the brain's motivation, which is like our intellectual side that has a lot of things to say cognitively. Uh-huh. And then the, the heart, you know, what the heart wants. Say that we find somebody that's very attractive. Maybe we make up a fantasy about who they are uh-huh. before we've even really talked to them or met them. Uh-huh. Maybe our heart is like, ooh, like I'm, I'm falling for that person. Before that person has really earned our trust or has put in effort on their part. And so I think there's something about the heart and the brain working together. Is my brain getting information that this person is a kind person, a respectful person, that they deserve to be in my presence and am I showing up in a way that, that they're deserving? People's feelings will often run the show. And if your feelings run the show, you're fucked. And if your mind runs the show, you're fucked. Because if your mind is running the show, you're cold calculating SOB. And if your feelings are running the show, you're a hot chocolate mess. You know, and you've got (laughs) (laughs) you've got to you've got to get them to work together because ultimately emotions and thoughts are just different ways of getting information. Feelings will tell you something about somebody that your brain could never figure out on its own. Like your brain can say, okay, you know, this person uh, is well groomed, they're well spoken, eye contact with me, they're not checking out other people in the restaurant. Those are all data points, and your brain can kind of put that all together. But let's say the guy or girl is doing an awesome job, and your brain has figured out exactly what's going right, and then your heart's like, this doesn't feel good. 
and I don't even know why. You know, maybe the guy is, you know, super emotionally turned off and you're just picking that up in some kind of unconscious way or who knows what. Conversely, let's say you're feeling, oh, wow, this girl is amazing. We're just really, really connecting, but you're not picking up basic data points like she keeps checking her phone yeah. or, you know, or whatever it is. Or, or oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just here for a month and then I'm going to go back to LA for another month and then I'm going to go to New York and then I'll be back here. And you didn't listen to that. You didn't, you just thought, oh, we have a great connection, but you didn't actually think, do I really want to make a good connection with someone who's going to be skipping around the United States? And that would be the feeling versus thinking. Is that kind of what you're, where you're going with that one? Yeah. Uh, any other strategies? Those are really good. One of the really powerful things in dating that can be really great to get to know somebody is to use dating boundaries as a way to get to know someone's character. For example, sometimes when I'm talking to someone, I get maybe a sense, this person seems a little arrogant. This person <laughs> seems a little full of it, a little bit inflexible, or this person seems a little flaky. He's not taking care of me in the way that I would like by mm -hmm. being a little bit last minute with me, not planning things ahead of time. I don't really appreciate his approach. So I might say, you know, something in me feels a little bit angry right. <laughs> or a little frustrated. Mm -hmm. And usually anger or frustration is a sign that there's been a boundary that's been crossed. So that can mean something like someone has done something or didn't do something that doesn't feel great for me. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll reestablish a boundary. So say that somebody that I've been talking to online didn't set something up in a way that was planned out a little bit ahead of time with a little bit of thoughtfulness. I mean, I'm not asking them to roll out the red carpet for me, but right. I might say something like, hey, you know, I actually have plans Wednesday. What about we get together on Friday or Monday? So instead of calling someone out for being a flake or being arrogant, mm -hmm. you set boundaries that contain those qualities. And, and the purpose behind that is to see this person, does he have the ability to be flexible? Is this a reflection of like who he is? Or is it more like he's just a busy dude right. and it was a, a mistake? Okay, great. So dating boundaries. Can I say something slightly uncomfortable? Always. Oh, awesome. So when I first knew Talia, I think every other text message, she would stick the word friend in it. And she'd say, hey, my friend, how are you doing? And I'm like, I, I just wanted to write her, I look, I get it. I'm your friend. I understand. I've known this for a long time now. It's fine. I'm just trying to hang out because I'm a lonely asshole who doesn't know a lot of people. So let's hang out and get coffee. It's cool. But I didn't say that because I was like, okay, so she's telling me she's my friend again. And <laughs> I think I probably have probably about a dozen of those texts from you where you stick the word friend in it. And I recognize I'm pretty sure you were like doing a, a smart job, I think, of boundary setting with me, which is fine even though I had gotten it long before that. Maybe it was part of your vernacular to say my friend. I don't know. It's hard for me to fully remember. I think probably some of those, maybe uh, in the beginning, yeah. was to clarify, hey, it's a friendship. Yeah. But then it might have also been, yeah, just more like my language of being like friendly, but maybe that's, that didn't come across that way. Well, I, I mean, because it's just like, you know, we were both single and... I wasn't sure if you thought I was pursuing you because I was really just looking for a professional relationship. How does it feel when I text you, my friend, or when other female colleagues mention uh, my boyfriend right away? It feels normal. <laughs> it feels like life. So let's say you were networking with a guy, with a, you you were you saw a guy on Psych Today who looked like you wanted to refer people to him for whatever reason, and you met for coffee, and he was just your age and smashingly good looking and really charming and Jewish and um, <laughs> and and single and just beamed and shone like the light of the sun. Well, that would that would probably 
have an effect. And then yeah. if in the middle of all that, he said, oh, yeah, and then my girlfriend, such and such, she'd be like, whoa, and that would have an effect. Even if you didn't mean anything by it, even if you just were really just trying to form a professional connection, even if, you know, whatever. So like these, what I'm saying is that these energies are always flying around between yeah, people all the time. Sure. And it's, it's fucking exhausting. <sighs> did you have another strategy you wanted to talk about? I, I did. So another idea that I like to think about is what I call the Maslow's hierarchy of dating needs oh you are a genius let's hear about that so, so let's let's do maslow first yeah. let's maslow's hierarchy so, okay so there was this this guy maslow that was thinking about the human experience so if you think about one of those food pyramid and on yeah. the bottom it has like this is the most types of food that you should eat to the top where it's like you should be more sparing about these food groups yeah it's also broken up into three sections so the bottom is like our foundational needs that we have as human beings food shelter mm -hmm. to be safe to be hydrated to have sleep once we have those needs that are met, then we can focus on a little bit of a higher order need. And in the middle of the pyramid is love, caring, that kind of connection where we care about the people in our life. Once we have the shelter, the food, the sleep, and the love and the caring, and those things are fulfilled in our life, we can pursue something that Maslow called self-actualization. I'm doing personal growth. I'm discovering who I am. How can I contribute to the world? So dating needs. So in terms of the dating triangle, it can be kind of like a similar thing in terms of where you are in your dating development. Maybe I am totally new to dating, feel totally like a fish out of water with dating. I'm just looking to connect with someone in a way that's safe, in a way I'm not getting hurt and everything's just baseline okay. So that can be kind of like the bottom. And I think a lot of the people that I talk to are at the love and self-actualizing phase of things where I just want to find someone that I can love and we can respect each other. I think that there's something where different people have different needs, wants, desires, requirements mm -hmm. in relationships. Right. So a lot of clients that I work with, they're just looking to find more of a love connection. Right. I'm looking to love someone. I'm looking to feel safe. I'm looking for someone who wants a family. I'm looking for someone where we can share some certain core values versus some others that I work with are saying, I, I want someone who pushes me intellectually, that right. expands my horizons, where we can grow and that there's kind of this infinite possibility. And right. it's, it's something a little bit more dynamic and abstract which feels very different. I think that people who are really healthy are looking for is a, a higher state of consciousness mm -hmm. with their partner. Like this woman I'm dating, I think she's doing a really good job of making me think about what what kind of my basic responsibilities as a man are on the planet. You know, look this way, do these things. This is this is these are the roles. These are this is how it is. You do this, I do that. She's making me think, and that's important. And that's like almost to me more important than getting like a basic need met as to someone who makes me think and challenges my philosophies. Mm -hmm. I suppose it makes my philosophies grow. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, if someone isn't doing that, they're boring. And couples who really really work well together are constantly helping each other out in that way because they're so locked in intellectually and intuitively that they can really help each other make really amazing decisions and, and double their power. I like that. I was told recently that I was required to partake in certain grooming habits, such as I bought cologne for the first time in my life. Apparently that's on the bottom of her hierarchy of dating needs that I wear cologne. The base, it's a basic thing. Apparently. That, 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 that she, I did, she I, would like. I didn't know about that. Uh, apparently I must always keep my 
beard trimmed really well, which I think is a reasonably reasonable requirement. Keep my nails in good order. I have to smell good. My teeth have to be clean. My oh, my eyebrows. I can't have a unibrow. I've got to get that dealt with. You know, the the Jew brow that that I have. I think those are all reasonable requests. You know, and so I have hopefully fulfilled the basics of that. <laughs> for her. Yeah. Well, in what way did she ask you? Directly. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, can you do this? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, was, what was that experience like? Um, it was good. I was like, oh, she's asking me to kind of man up, be a man, be a man for me. I'll be a woman for you. It's kind of the message I got. Yeah. I also am a real fan of when someone is a frequent shower, when someone kind of puts themselves together and mm -hmm. has clean teeth. These hygiene things can make a huge difference and actually be. Take note, guys. Listen to what she's saying. It's, yeah. You know, I have had experiences where someone is attractive, intelligent, amazing person, mm -hmm. but they don't smell good to me. And there's different types yeah, of smell, right? Yeah. There's kind of like uh, a smell that you can't really, you know, control, yeah. but there is a hygiene level smell where if you shower enough and find the right deodorant and, you know, wash your face and groom and brush your teeth frequently and chew gum. I've had, this is a sidebar, but I've had yeah. experiences where I've been on dates with women. And there was this one woman, she was Italian and totally beautiful and totally amazing and totally smart, but she reeked and I couldn't figure it out. Was it because she didn't wear deodorant? Was mm. it just because our chemicals were just totally misaligned? Right. I never figured it out. We went on, I think, three dates, maybe three or four dates. And each time it was like, I could barely get near her. I, I just couldn't, I don't, I don't know. And then uh, I think my, <laughs> I was talking to my friend about it. She said, so are you seeing Stinky Linguini again? <laughs> <laughs> so mean so mean so mean i never called her that and then when someone when a guy smells good he smells good there's actually a smell a scent that sometimes i smell on women when they're i think it's when their hormones are up like i can there's a certain scent that's unmistakable and i don't always smell it but sometimes i do and it's just like that woman is either thinking about sex or is attracted to somebody here or something is happening but i can smell it, it is unmistakable it's hmm. not a brand of perfume it's not a shampoo oh, wow. it's all the same it's the same smell? it is the same one every single time oh my gosh it is and it hits me all over my body and i'm like Whoa! And the thing is, I can smell it on people I'm not attracted to, so I know it's not me. That you're not attracted mm -hmm. to. I can't figure out what the fuck it is. I can't figure out if it's me smelling someone who's sexually aroused or who's sexually aroused and is, is somehow genetically my match or what it is because I don't smell it on every woman who's sexually aroused. How do you know that she's sexually aroused? They're usually f with somebody or they're flirting with you intensely or flirting with someone else intensely. There's usually a matching behavior with it every single time. And it happens like once every few months. So anyway, very strange stuff. What's it like being a therapist on a date? This particular therapist, usually, unless I have some sort of raging crush where I regress to my 13-year-old self, most of the time I feel very relaxed because I've spent all day sitting with people in very deep, uncomfortable kind of controversial, heavy topics where I'm very focused. So when I'm on a date, that's fun time. So I put on my date clothes, mm -hmm. which is a lot more sexy and- She wears leather jackets. I do. How do you know? Because I saw you in one at that party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were the different Natalia. It was like, whoa, who, what the <laughs> fuck? Oh yeah, that's right. You're female in 32 and living in the city. That's, that's how you should dress. <laughs> that makes sense. So- I'm there 
it feels like we're gonna have a conversation. It's gonna be fun uh-huh. and deep and interesting. And even if it's the most awkward connection, kind of like what you were saying, I'm going to learn something and I hope there'll be a little bit of a spark. I'll be creative with it. You analyze your dates? Of course. Like like as a therapist would analyze a client? Uh, Yes and no. So that's actually one of the top questions that my dates ask about. I get that too. What do you say, Ben? uh, It varies. Depends on my analysis of them. I'm going to answer the question. Um, no, I say, what do I usually say? Um, I usually say no. I leave my work at work because I like to keep the thing light. I usually talk about the fact that I just like to have a good connection and a good conversation and I'm not really interested in diving deep into a thing. You know, I was on a date once with another therapist that wasn't pleasant. She realized I was pretty good at my job at one point, I guess. And so she started talking about her father issues and she was really kind of insistent that we discuss her dad and she was really, really got into it. And then never heard from her again, of course, because that destroyed the chemistry. I think there can be a, a way to have chemistry and go deep and have fun with it. Say more because I don't know how to do that. It really is like getting in a different zone. And I, I have a ritual around it too. Like I get ready. I want to like look a certain way. And there's a certain amount of readiness where I feel like I'm looking good for mm-hmm. me. You mm-hmm. know, everyone can look good for them, right? right? Whatever that means to you. And I review their dating profile. Sometimes I meet people in person as well. So right. maybe review some of the texts or just kind of think through like, oh, who you know, who's this person I'm about to meet and show up. And usually maybe I have it in mind, like maybe one or two questions, but things usually flow naturally but when that question comes up you know are you analyzing me i usually say aren't we all analyzing each other and i think that that's really key where we are all judging and analyzing Mm -hmm. and that's actually a really good thing yeah how are we supposed to discern who we're gonna connect with and be with and who this person is what's underneath the hood here yeah there's this mythos around therapists that they think that we have better skills at that or i don't know what and you also see, you know, TV shows where, you know, therapists will go on dates and they'll, or psychologists, and they'll do some weird trip on their, their date because they're, I don't know, some kind of weird mastermind. But I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, feel that at all. There's this thing where I'd show up on dates and it was almost like my analysis or my intuition was turned off. And that's something that I worked on where I was like, wait, hold on. How come when I'm on a date, my intuition is turned off? off but when i'm working it's turned on so my clients get to benefit but i don't get to freaking benefit yeah i get that too what's that about i I, like i'm a moron on dates i'm in the therapy office and i suddenly i can make all these connections and see all these things and like holy shit yes no yes and you hate your mom and you know your big sister was an abuser and um your little brother was whatever like i can just make connections that i couldn't normally make why do we get dumb on dates Or, or do you get dumb on dates well, first of all, I think there's something where Ben, just for all you listeners, he has a huge fan base and it's only going to expand. Yeah, yeah, right. I have a fan base of about 50, but go on. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think Ben doesn't realize how he makes people feel and his own talents mm. and and is like really, really humble. And in a way, I think that makes other people feel really good because you really uplift others. But I think for you, you. you, you come across in a lot more of an amazing way than you realize. And I think at least for me, in terms of how do I make that a transferable skill, which I'm still working on, by the way, I still am an independent person and I'm still looking for the right connection. 
I'm working on getting in touch with myself in terms of what qualities in another person would make me really feel satisfied for mm -hmm. a long time. I think it is a practice of mindfulness and dating of paying attention. Like, how is this person showing up? You know, how are they making me feel? You know, how do we connect? Is it respectful? Do we lift each other up? Do we laugh? But I think that when it comes to our heart, and I know for myself, for sure, there's blind spots. Right. And that's why we go to therapy, even as therapists. Yeah. To help us with increasing the mindfulness and blind I've spots. I've actually addressed the blind spot on dates. I'm like, actually, you know, I have a blind spot. Like when I'm on a date, all my therapy skills just go out the window. <laughs> I've said that too. So what remains when the therapy... Skills go out the window? Yeah. I don't know. Um, sometimes I go into like funny guy mode. And that doesn't work because it's just obviously contrived. Or I get super flat and unemotional and that doesn't work because who the fuck wants to hang out with that? Um, and sometimes it gets genuine and sometimes it works. It, it varies, but the point is that it's not steady. It's not predictable. I can't really control it. I think there's dating is so charged for me that when I'm on a date, my brain doesn't function accurately, correctly. There's too much happening. There's too many projections in the moment. Like, is this a woman I'm supposed to be with? What if I fuck up? I could get humiliated. She doesn't like me. On and on and on. There's just so much packed into that in my head that it derails my brain. And when someone comes in as a client, it's like it's all the formulations are clear. Like, you're here for X amount of time. Mm. You're going to pay me this amount of money. This is my training. These are your issues. We're going to hammer these out. We're going to do this and this and this. And it's clear so I can relax. So it sounds like when you're on working as a therapist, your role is clearly defined versus perhaps you haven't fully clearly defined your role as a dater. Ooh, yeah. she's so smart. What would it mean to clearly define your define your role? Define to define another, like another new word to define your your dating who you are. First of all, to know who you are in a general sense. Right. So I'm Ben. I'm someone who really cares about people, especially the people in my life and my friends. Mm -hmm. I really am someone who shows up on time and present and with a desire to connect. Okay. I'm someone who really values taking care of my mind, body, and spirit. And mm -hmm. I do that through exercise. I'm a really good chef and I cook really delicious meat. And <laughs> I appreciate dimly lit spaces. He's referring to my apartment, which is like the bat cave. <laughs> and I have a desire to connect and to understand. And I am a kick-ass therapist and have an amazing podcast that people can't stop listening to yes they can they often do <laughs> well not me I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty choosy you are i'm okay. a pretty choosy person and i would like to connect and i'm not sure exactly all the answers but i'd like to try to do that mm -hmm. and also know that i'm gonna feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. she's gonna feel uncomfortable this is not a performance this is about connection right is there anything difficult about being a therapist and dating most difficult thing is that as a therapist, I'm practicing a very specific kind of way in the world and conversation with people. Mm -hmm. And it feels like every single hour that I work with people, I'm growing and expanding and learning how to sit with people in pain and different challenges. It's like this dynamic growing process that I get the extreme privilege of being a part of. I think it's spiritual and just very fulfilling. I find that sometimes it's hard for quality and depth of the, my conversations with clients mm -hmm. and also with my 
closest friends to match the conversations that I have with dates. And not to say that they have to be the same, mm-hmm. but that I would really like to pursue relationships with men that can be in that space with me uh-huh. and have that kind of intellectual and psychological curiosity that I do. Uh. That's one of the key points that I've yeah. learned over a long time. Yeah. I didn't realize, oh, I really need someone that can kind of hold the space for me to see them and for also for them to see me in all mm-hmm. in a deep way. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you've, yeah, so your experience as a therapist has led you to naturally deepen the space between you and others and enrich it in ways that are impossible to go back on. Like once you've sort of tasted that end of reality, you just can't go back. Right. Right. That makes sense. What do you think the world needs to change about dating? If you had a magic wand, what would you do? How would you shift around? And that can be in any aspect of it. Ooh, that's a great question. You're going to cut the space, right? (laughs) I don't know. Kind of like the silence. Someone's driving along to work and they're listening to a podcast and they just, they're always infusing their lives with nothing but noise. And suddenly they get some silence and they're looking at their speakers going, What am I, is my car broken? What's going on? Am I being hacked? <laughs> so the point of dating for a lot of people, the point is to connect, that we all are striving for connection. The number one helpful thing for me as a person in terms of a dating quote unquote strategy mm-hmm. is. Remember that we don't, we really don't know where someone's coming from when we go on a first date with someone or we receive a message. Mm-hmm. Have compassion for each other and just strive to understand and get to know each other and be a little bit more patient with each other and to treat other people the way that we would like to be treated. Maybe just a little bit more of gentleness. Which is what you learn being a therapist. You gotta be gentle with your patients. Yeah. Okay. And also maybe there's something too where for us to think about what's my part in this. So there's there's ways that I try to be a better dater. Oh, was I a little bit snappy to my date or a little bit snarky? Mm-hmm. And that maybe that was for my own insecurity and maybe I felt like he wasn't respecting me or showing up in a way that was doing it for me. So I kind of getting back at him, which is not very nice. So I, maybe I wasn't as patient. And also what's his or her part? Maybe I learned very early that someone's just not for me and that's right. okay. So gentleness and then being able to really look objectively at what happened and asking yourself how much was yours and how much was theirs. Mm-hmm. Like being a, a dating learner. Yeah, right, right. Student of dating. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I feel like most of the time we're always blaming the flesh. This person showed up and they didn't, you know, he was didn't smell right or they had bad table manners mm-hmm. or whatever, which is often true. But then the other question could be, well, why don't you do a better job of screening, you know? Humility is something nice to remember too of I'm this flawed human that's insecure, but also confident in some ways and mm-hmm. have some things to offer and, and some things that I don't have to offer. This is another person with a mixture of those things too. Right. Can I be humble? Can I make this person feel nice? Can we make each other feel nice? Mm-hmm. This can be a positive experience even if we're not clicking. Can I be down to earth? Can I be understanding? And maybe I'm fucking done with dating and I need a break. <laughs> and that's okay to say, to notice, wow, I'm feeling really angsty and resentful. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to take a week off or a month off, whatever it might be, or to do some nice things for your independent fine self. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to bring up before we close? I think I feel pretty complete and this was really fun. Yeah, so it thanks was. for having me, you're, Ben. You're really welcome. And Natalia uh, Weisel, thank you so, so much. And I really appreciate your time and effort. And I look forward to more of this. Me too. All right. Thank you for listening. 
Pertinent information stemming from this podcast will appear in the program notes. Should you have any questions or would like to be a guest on my show, you may contact me at benjaminrusick at gmail.com or go to my website at benjaminrusick.com. I encourage you to subscribe, share, and all the rest. Thanks again. And remember, whenever you find your plate is full, sometimes you need to push a few things off to the side and sometimes you just need a bigger plate.